What's up, everybody? Kevin Barnett here for the Maker's Garage. We had a couple of technical issues this week with the podcast. One clears up at about two minutes. The other clears up at seven minutes if you want to go ahead and fast forward. Kevin and Winston, back again. This is the Maker's Garage, presented by Carbide 3D. Welcome to Maker's Garage. Kevin Barnett along with Winston Moy. You're back. You've been back. Been back for a little while, but we've missed a bunch of recordings because uh, of some recent travels. So it's good to be back, I think. I hope people enjoyed uh, J- Dennis Van Hoof. Hoof. I think I'm getting it right because you have to kind of swallow the Dutch. He makes some ridiculous stuff with the machines. He not only mods the machine, but then he employs all these techniques that are pretty advanced. Yeah, no, his, I've been watching him for like, probably the better part of the year now, and he. I don't know, the work he does, conceptually, it's not that difficult. Like, you machine one side, you flip it over, you machine the other side. But he's got some really great ideas. He's very meticulous. He's got a really strong technical understanding of what he's doing. So all that combines into some genuinely unique projects that, uh, that are really awesome. The dinosaur that he's holding up on the, the photo for the episode... Mm-hmm. He's making a basically pony-sized dinosaur in skeleton from the Shaboko. Way to get organic with the whole thing. That's super awesome. And uh, I mean, personally for me, like I would have trouble following through like that project to completion. Um, just because once I sort of figure out the technique, like, oh, I know how to machine the skull, I would kind of lose interest to like finish the rest because it's like oh it's this bone here this bone there i was just like oh it's cool i managed to machine the skull like that'd be it for me like that's that's the fun part for me just trying the new part yeah and once i have it figured out i don't know if i'd be yeah it's the dedication to the process is pretty remarkable the amount of time he takes he says his projects take six months or longer sometimes good for him Good for him, indeed. Indeed. To be able to hold that attention for that long, definitely impressive. Well, where have you been? You went on a couple different trips. I I did go on a couple trips. Uh, First, I was in Maui for a week, and then uh, I just finished up a one, two, three, four, five-state road trip um, from Colorado to Oregon and then back to Nevada uh, with a couple of friends as my, um, one of my best friends from school. He's about to start law school, which means he's, it's essentially no different than if he were going to prison for two years. Uh, so this is kind of his last hurrah. It'd be great if they sent him to prison for two years. This is where you're going to be sending people if you're either a failure or a success. Yeah. Your job. So. I love it. You didn't take any I Nomad with you this time, did you? I did not. Okay. Um, it's, we were uh, trying to go off the grid, kind of. Um, I friend's a big fan of dispersed camping so like not at a campsite you don't have a outlet or flush toilets nearby it's just drive out in the middle of a forest and set up camp and it's you get some pretty pretty awesome views there but uh there's there's no creature comforts and no chance of running a nomad right not even a nomad who needs so little just power essentially yeah it is a great place though when you're laying your tent uh in the early mornings before everyone else is woken up you're listening to the birds chirping just to start thinking over projects, which I, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to admit because like you're supposed to be unplugged and, and relaxing, but it's also a really great time to think. 
So yeah, but that's where your creativity can come out, or you can kind of free yourself from some of the other stuff to then mm-hmm. hone in on a problem and maybe figure out something you had. Yeah, uh, especially because half the time there was no cell service, so you're not going to wake up in in the morning and just start browsing Instagram. Like it's just you and whatever's in your head. That could be good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> in this case, mostly good. That's good. That's good. I've done a couple projects lately uh, for the YouTube channel. We've had a lot of LEDs incorporated, and I was cruising through Cut Rocket. If you haven't been through Cut Rocket lately, it's com- been completely redesigned. Get in there and check it out. I noticed the LED projects don't get downloaded as often as, say, a tray or something that seems a little easier. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's because people are new when they get on Cut Rocket and you don't have advanced people on there, or if just people are intimidated by LEDs the extra level of incorporation. Do you have any thoughts on that? My thought is people just, like, they're not sure what they want to do, and they're not going to go on Amazon and, and drop, like, 20 bucks on something when there's a good chance they probably won't machine it anyway. Okay. Um, so it's really just people who are really interested, and they're like, ooh, I want to make exactly that. Yeah. They'll do it. But the people who are just browsing and like, I'm not sure if I'm going to make this or not, like, they're probably not going to do it. Also, like, like, just from a like trays and stuff, they're much more easy to customize, right? Yeah. Um, whereas a sign, you put all the work into creating all the different vectors. I'm looking at your illuminated Ferrari sign right now, and people they can watch the video, they can take away the techniques, but there's really not a lot they can do if they download it. You can't really customize it except maybe scale it up or down. Oh, I see. I disagree. I think once you have the overlapping idea, mm-hmm. you could change the one, two, three, three shapes, mm-hmm. and then th- the shape on the acrylic, which is just a reverse and slightly smaller, or actually the, the original size. So it's really only four layers, and you could change those four layers into whatever your design is if you just figure out how to break it up. Because I want to do an Aston Martin version. Mm. And I just want to break up the Aston Martin into into that same framework because I already have the, the size idea. True, but the design file that you have won't necessarily be as useful, right? Because you're gonna have to yeah. whatever vectors are there, you got to start from scratch. It's more just True. the the understanding of hey, these are how the layers are stacked. I don't really even think so much you would take the tool paths from the um, the the tool pathing workspace. Right, you'd have to have the same material. Yeah. Yeah. Same thicknesses and same number of layers, too. Right. So it's more the idea than the actual design file. Yeah, so important. I guess once you get over a certain complexity, mm-hmm. that becomes the case. Yeah. Although the, the Nomad sign you have here, which is just a sheet of acrylic that's drag engraved, that you could, it's really just a single flat 2D vector yeah. that you're tracing. So that is much more versatile. Um, but again, I think it depends on what people are looking to do. And uh, unless they want to make the exact thing, the more complex projects are probably going to get left by the wayside. They get a lot of views. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. Not mine in particular, but there are several other LED lamps and things like that that have gotten a number of views, but the downloads are really small compared to some others that get not as many views, but get way more downloads. It's a, it's it's a weird, look. inversely proportional relationship. Yeah. It's good. Cut Rocket is out there. Get on it. Uh, check it out. I'll be posting projects that I do here. I have a couple of fun ones coming up. There's a, a travel kit, kind of an upscale travel kit coming up. Got a nice hunk of brass here. 
that's going to be in there. I'll tell you this: it's if you're cutting weight, it's not going to be for you. If you're <laughs> if you're cutting like that last pound out of your bag, but if you want something that when you get to a hotel feels like it's premium, it's you, you enjoy putting it on the counter and having it with you, that's what it's going to be. You got to make your travel kit out of materials that don't get flagged in the uh, the scanner when you put your bag through, and make sure you can carry it on, because uh, check bag is weighed, but. If you can hide the weight and, and carry your, your duffel bag or your rolling luggage without breaking a sweat, you could probably smuggle quite a few pounds through uh, security. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Your rolling bag can weigh like 75 pounds if you just yeah. carried a block of lead. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> they can't stop you for that, I don't think. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, we've had a number of new tools come out in the last few weeks. We had the drag engraver. Mm -hmm. You did a video on it. I did a video on it. Both videos did well. People bought them. But some people were wondering even after that, like what to do with them or how to make money with them. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk a little bit about how to make money with those particular tools and the idea of buying a tool and okay, the tool costs 70 bucks or 90 bucks. Can you make your money back if money is really your concern? The drag engraver seemed to me to be just dead easy. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different um, use cases for it. I'm just thinking back to one where I was making some um, award plaques and so for that like uh, it's it's kind of cookie cutter right you have a, a plaque like uh, engrave someone's name here or like a certain phrase logo whatever um, if you say have a product that could benefit from personalization and you think oh if I sell the regular version on Etsy for like $30 if someone wants to customize it or something make it 33 35 dollars that price Delta multiplied by however many times you do it Mm -hmm. Once you subtract out the initial cost of the tool, is that's the profit, basically, minus your time, which is a couple minutes here and there. But if you think about it, if the tool's like, what, $45 for a single one? Right. Um, so you do that nine times, you've paid for the tool. Uh, and everything after that's profit. So that's that's a pretty crude way to look at it. But if you can figure out like the incremental... Um, value that you add by using the tool, you can sort of work out like your break-even point. And right. everything after that should be profit in theory, assuming you can work it into your workflow without too much interruption. With the drag engraver, you could take a $5 tile or a, honestly 50 cent tile and mm -hmm. turn it into a, a piece of art that you could sell for 15 bucks. Yeah, that's... That's kind of the other way to look at it. Um, I was thinking just if you have an existing product, how do you increase its value by using a different tool? Yeah. But what you're doing is you're just start creating a whole new product that wouldn't exist before that you wouldn't have thought to sell. So yeah, now that's uh, another way to go about it. Yeah, I think the Dragon Graver is an easy moneymaker when it came to all the aluminum, ceramic tiles, mm -hmm. uh, acrylic. Trying, I'm trying to even think what else I have sitting around here. <laughs> And it's just, it's such a low drama tool to use because you don't need to turn on the router. So, I mean, aside from the little scratchy, scratchy noise it makes, you could run this anytime, all day, all night if you wanted to. Right, right. So we'll have more of those in stock soon. And we just came out with the McFly Fly Cutter. Mm -hmm. Now, is it McFly Fly Cutter or the McFly Cutter? It's the McFly Surfacing Cutter or the McFly Cutter. Okay. <laughs> Can't go McFly Fly Cutter. It's a little uh, redundant, perhaps. <laughs> The school of redundancy school. Yes, that, exactly. Uh, then that one is for surfacing your your 
Shaboko, not your nomad. Correct. Uh, surfacing the the wasteboard or any slabs or any other yeah. projects you have, cutting boards and the like. Um, but predominantly anything made out of wood. Uh, so probably wouldn't use it on aluminum. It, it's theoretically usable on plastics, um, but the geometry isn't quite as optimized there, and your margin of error when doing aluminum would be extremely thin. Yeah. And you have a video out on some of those geometries. I haven't watched it yet today, but uh, I, I did a basic overview of the McFly cutter doing wood, uh, showing the speeds and feeds we recommend, which is like 16 inches per minute with a 0.02 inch depth of cut. Um, and we always try and provide a safe place to start, but I also showed if you're doing MDF for a softwood, you could definitely go a little faster, go a little deeper. Um, but just to give people the basic idea of what it does, how much of a time saver it is when you're trying to flatten a big piece instead of using a quarter inch cutter and just watching it like slowly pocket out you can just like in one fell swoop just knock down a lot of material really fast yeah mcfly cutter is available now uh, i need to use it on my machine i need to use it on the machine down here <laughs> i need to flatten that one out yeah uh that machine has some scars it it adds character though it's been getting love. <laughs> it's truly a machine that is filled with scars. The one that is filled with scars is the one that is filled with love. Before we leave the idea of making money with your machine, I want to reiterate the one equals five. We'll call it an equation for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. One equals five. And I think we talked about this before, but this is my own theory. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a copyright on it. It's in the office now. Don't try and get it. One equals five. For every one you give away of something to someone you know, or someone at a party or a housewarming gift or wherever you happen to be at the office or whatever, for every one you give away, you will sell five. I'm trying to think back to my own history. I don't know what I've given away. It Sometimes the ROI is better than that. It depends on what it is. Um, yes. I have made projects like for friends where I kind of do it at cost or at a loss um, and then I'll make a video about it and then I've had people who are like, can, can you make this too? And a lot of the time it's, well, we talked about this before. I make something once and I master it and I'm like, I'm good enough. I don't want to make it again. Um, but if I wanted to sell items and not ideas, um, that I could definitely have made a business out of it. I like that. Sell items, not ideas. Cause I'm with you. I, I'll make something once and I'm like, I don't want to make it the same but I'd make it better mm -hmm. or way different or yeah. jump off from that spot. Yeah. And that's also kind of like just in a business. Like if you are always into improving and tweaking, you will make a great product, but you might not make a great business case. Uh, Cause at some point you need to put your foot down and start churning out the, like your polished product instead of, uh, working on refining and I've seen that a lot like people who are really interested in making something and they just keep iterating and designing making new versions of things but they never stop and say all right I'm done designing let's actually make money instead of making iterations they're called artists yes <laughs> <laughs> that's their name artists yeah it's uh it, it's an interesting proposition and you're not going to get one to five the first time Mm -hmm. I think you're going to get more like one to three, one to two, mm -hmm. but you're still up. Yeah. And I, I think you're going to get to one to five, especially if you kind of play with a, a pretty decent idea that's easily customizable. I found that with cutting boards, with the Shape Oko, 
all day. I could do custom cutting boards all day, every day. Uh, it'd just be good side money. Yeah. And also with my laser, I do cups. And I will give away a cup, and that results in 20 more cups. That one's like a one, one equals 20 situation. Mm -hmm. But a cutting board, even if you buy one from Target, buy one from Ikea, buy one from Wayfair, wherever you find a pre-made cutting board so you don't have to have that all that woodworking background, you don't have to have all the finishing, everything else. If you buy one and run it through your Shapeoko with a cool design or a cool personalization, something thoughtful, mm -hmm. people dive on that. Yeah, they do. And it's that's kind of a very approachable project. I think like anyone like in their first couple months of owning a machine could easily step up to that level of customization and um, just putting their own unique spin on something because uh, it's a very low barrier to entry, right? As long as you have access to like a Target, an Ikea, you can do it. Um, it's just coming up with those ideas and I, I think just making something. People get too hung up on like, what do I do? Well, just get a cutting board, get a cool idea, find a cool vector and just put that vector on the cutting board. Right, it's Carbide Create, mm -hmm. standard. Yeah. It's a 2D image mm -hmm. and it's a pre-made item. Yeah, it it doesn't get easier than that. And it's awesome when it's done. Yes. It looks super cool. Mm -hmm. And you can start to play with the depths, you can play with different tooling, you can make it more like a sign with V-carve, or you can make it more traditional with a, a quarter or an eighth. Mm -hmm. You don't, a quarter and an eighth, even a quarter on a big design will get you far. Yeah. You don't need anything else. All right, I don't think we need anything else in this pod. I, I think we're good. Cool, Maker's Garage. Signing out. Thank you.